Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. One quick thing at the top, I have this big, long quarterly review document that I'm pulling together. In one week's time, I'm going to sit down with Ian and do an official strategy session where we go over basically every functional area of the business. We talk about you know the org chart and like our HR stuff and our financial strategy and all this kind of stuff. And one of the big projects for Q4 on there is to double down and improve this podcast. We absolutely love making the Tropical MBA for you guys. I'm thinking both in terms of capital and creativity. If you've got suggestions about how we can grow the show or make it better, we'd love to hear from you. My email is dan at tropicalmba.com. Getting on a plane to Mexico City tomorrow uh, to host our first live event in over two years. Can't believe it. My passport just has a a layer of film on it. (laughs) I'm super excited about that. One other news item is that from one of our customers who are a listener of the show, we got a new business idea. So for this whole year, we've been having a ton of success with our permanent placement product, which is recruiting done for you for remote teams. You know, we've been running ads on this show all year for that product. And one of our customers came to us and said, hey, you know, in a lot of organizations, it's really complicated to hire people overseas, to hire people full time. It's risky. It's a lot of money up front. You guys offer a contract to hire service. So it's just basically this idea where you know you de-risk the proposition. The person's employed by DJ. So all the legal and sometimes like organizational political issues, depending on what companies are allowed to do in terms of often hiring overseas, sometimes hiring a contractor is just a better, simpler option. So we're going to start offering that and we'll let you know how it goes. So that's the news into the show. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a business model that sometimes gets a little bit of bad press on this show, the agency. We have a returning guest who I recently bumped into at the recent MicroConf event in Austin. It was amazing, by the way. And he's also going to be speaking next week at our DC Mexico event. So before I get him to introduce himself, here's a little snapshot of things we get into in this conversation. The first is the pros of having an agency. Today's guest loves running his agency and is giving him tons of profitable connections, profits in the bank, and business ideas. Two, the power of networks you gain through your business. Three, the total unimportance of having a fancy website or good logo or expensive domain. You can make tens of thousands of dollars a month without one. And today's guest is going to talk about why he thinks that's the case and how one might go about doing it. Well, the punchline is, you know, in the episode. So let's just jump right into it. My name is Jonathan Solorzano, and I run a white-label development agency. I guess what that means is we have a team of developers, and they're all based out of Latin America. What kind of stuff do y'all do? We've done it all, but really, what we're really like zeroing in on is WooCommerce and Shopify. The average person that wants a website, I don't think is a good fit for us. It's someone that usually wants a really specific need, right? So it's like, we want to integrate with our 10 stores and make sure that the inventory is 
coming through through 10 stores and we can show on the front end that these 10 different stores has this stock and this stock. So like that really specific thing will get us in the door and then we'll have that relationship with that Shopify client. And the agencies come to us for the same thing, right? So the agencies like, we know that we can go to John and ask him like, how do returns work with Shopify? What app do you use? We know what to do because we've done it 10, 20 times. So we're like, we got to use this. So they hire us for it. Was that a specific idea that you were going to like focus in on a niche? I'm in a mastermind in the DC and sometimes because they're agency owners, there's one that it's like focusing on a lot of stuff. And I'm like, dude, you got to focus. You got to do this. This is what we're doing. And then I thought about it. I said, you know, that's not fair because when we started, we did everything and we did everything. And that got us to where we are today. The best part about that stuff is once you learn it, it might take you two weeks to understand it, but now we might do it in a day for somebody and we still charge them for the two weeks, right? Because it's, they're not paying us for our hours anymore. They're paying us for our expertise. The last time we spoke, it feels like we were on a different planet, John. It was like June, 2020. <laughs> and we talked about you just sort of arriving at your first three years in business. You made it out of the thousand days. It's the hardest part. And now traditionally, like if we follow the pattern, John, I don't want to jinx you, but you know, you're going to start to enter into the more wealth torque band, higher earning over the next few years, start to get a sense for what your business's resale value are, those sorts of things. I'm curious as how would you sum up the last year and a half in your business? What has gone down? So the podcast interview that we did during that time, it presented some cool opportunities and some unique things that kind of also changed my trajectory of how I started operating. You have him a lot on the podcast, Jesse Schoberg from Joppin Blog. He reached out to me right after the podcast and he's like, hey, it sounds like you're perfectly poised to take over my agency. Do you want to buy it from me? And I was like, well, what's your agency? And he's like, well, we just, we, we white label for like three clients. And, you know, he sent me the financials. I looked at how he broke it down and I was like, man, I need to start thinking like that. You know, like he, he already had like project based hosting, whatever it was, he had it broken down. And I said, this is how I should start positioning my agency so that that way, if I ever want to do sell it, I can. Right. We kept in talks, but we ended up not going through with it. But if he's listening, hopefully he knows that he helped me kind of position my business in a new way. Can you describe it? The in-depth nature of what you learn in terms of how he had organized his agency that informed what you wanted to do. He's completely hands-off, right? He has somebody that manages the projects. And then these projects are sold almost like, like if you go to a restaurant and there's a menu. Pick off this menu. Then you get a pricing. We don't even have to give you a quote. You know what the cost is going to be every time you bring either a design to us or a project to us. So then business kept picking up and you start, you almost start realizing that you always serve the same food, right? The same stuff all the time. It's just that some people ask for no salt. I got SPP. So here's another thing. Because we're a dev agency, sometimes we're always like, oh, we'll just build it ourselves." I'm just warping in here to say that SPP is an agency management software. And by complete coincidence, and I mean this for reals, they're actually sponsoring this episode. So if you want to learn more of the ad comment, I just want to say a little bit more about this. John sent me an email afterwards showing me the back end of this software and how he like had a really profitable revenue stream through it. And he was, it was just like this really cool follow-up. And I don't know, it's just a testament to smart people getting together, sharing ideas, sharing solutions. And there you go. 
Thanks to SPP for sponsoring the show and helping our listeners out with what turns out to be a solution that today's guest really loves. And then you go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, what are we going to use and where are we going to host it and which developer is going to work on it? So I stopped doing that because we kept getting into like roadblocks. I said, we're going to use SPP. Let me point out as someone now as like the old guy on the block, this idea of finding solutions, building solutions, chucking software at internal problems. Basically, people love to do this. Like your staff will just go deep dive. They will spend forever figuring out the ideal technology choice for whatever problem exists in the business. And I think as an owner, you need to be wary of it and keep them off of it, basically, because that's not really driving value for your customers. Anyway, rant over. (laughs) And the worst part is, because I like those little details, I would get stuck with it with them. Oh, let's use this technology. I heard everyone's using, you know, React JS, and I had to cut myself out of it. I said, you know what? Everyone keeps asking us to implement this speed test to optimize their WordPress site. We already have a 10-step process for it that it works 90% of the time. Let's just throw it behind a paywall. And then every time somebody, oh, I got your information from Dan. Can you uh, optimize our site? Here's a link. It started that way. And I said, okay, cool. Now, now I'm just going to throw blocks of hours on there. Like, I don't even want to send invoices out to people. Like, I don't even want to quote you. If you got my information and you've already come from a trusted source, here, buy a block of 40 hours. If you don't like it at the end, I'll refund you 100%. And then next thing you know, you just start getting orders. And then I have clients that I was like, hey, we, you know, you want to be first in line when a ticket comes in? Here's a retainer. So that part of the business, I actually opened up a new entity for it. And I completely separated it from the project side of the business. I really am setting that one up. I don't know if I'll ever sell it, but that to me is my favorite part of the business now because it's, it's almost caught up to the agency. I mean, it's making you know, anywhere between fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month, and it's almost being run by itself. I put a manager in there. I give him like quarterly bonuses for, for all the clients that stay with us. Where can we see it, John? We want to see what we can buy from you. Help desk at solomediagroup.co. That's the, what I'm working on now because we, we've been running so much to just kind of like put things together that I haven't made like a formal landing page. I haven't done all that, which is kind of crazy, right? Like I haven't done that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I haven't done any of the stuff that, you know, these gurus tell you to do and it's working. It's literally like, here's a link, pay for it, right? What's your guess as to why it's working, John? I think we do good work. Sometimes things aren't perfect. Like we don't, maybe things go wrong and we own up to it. Like, hey, we did something wrong and we're fixing it and we won't charge you for it. We might take losses. Yeah, I think that's why it's working. A lot of things changed. You moved to Miami full time. Yeah. What kind of decision has that been for your life? That's actually, that's a conversation that I have with a a lot of the, the digital nomad community is my business has grown more since I've stayed stable, right? And I think a lot about like, I did spend, two years moving around. Like I lived in Bali. I lived in Mexico City. I lived in Colombia. I spent some time in Thailand. For me, I felt like I spent a lot of time figuring out, well, where's my next trip? What are we doing? You know, where's the gym? Where's the, you end up in the same routine, right? Like it's fun for a little bit. And then you end up in the same routine. You end up, you know, finding your co-working space, your coffee shop, your gym. And then after three months, you're kind of like bored of it. Right. So I was like, okay, well, when I settled down in Miami, it, it almost felt like, you just head down and I've been working. 
I've made the most money I've made my whole life. So I think it's something is to say for that, right? 100%. And you think it's just not traveling? I think it's focus. I'm getting the travel bug now. I think it's because of the end of the year and things are opening up. And I catch myself spending time just like looking at Airbnbs and pricing, you know, where am I going to go and what events can we do there? And obviously you need to put that stuff in your life, right? But if you do that every month, it takes a lot from your business. You know, it becomes its own kind of thing. What an incredible product this week. This episode is brought to you by Service Provider Pro, an agency dashboard and client portal software for productized services. Can you believe it? You know we're huge on productized services around here. This product is designed for those of you who run them at scale. So if you want to scale up your agency, you need a system for handling clients, payments, and projects. Service Provider Pro gives you that system together with a white-labeled client portal that makes your agency look professional, saves your clients time, and serves as a central source of truth for your team. Service Provider Pro is trusted by many TMBA listeners, including seven-figure agencies. This is a solution made specifically for selling and delivering your services at scale. So check them out. Check it out over at spp.co to learn more how it works. That's spp.co. You mentioned that you changed the composition of your business from a legal perspective and from a personnel perspective. How has your agency changed from a personnel perspective? It's cool because as of the last two months, so we have the agency side. So like the agency side has about 10 developers. Those are like project-based Shopify builds, WordPress builds, things that we do on a, a regular basis. And then we have the support, which is three developers. I recently took my best two developers and I almost... It's like R&D. Like they just, there's this thing I was reading about uh, 12 startups in 12 months. And basically it's by this guy, Peter Levels, who I think he made Nomad List. And the whole concept is if we sit down and we, you know, we're always pontificating what app we want to make and what we're going to do, you could spend forever and not have anything. And then you get, by the end of a year and a half, two years, you have an app that nobody wants, right? So I built this two-man team with me on it, and we're just like, we're building 12 apps. You know, we're going to go one in Shopify, one in WooCommerce, one that we just think is cool. We're, so we're just going through that now. You know, I don't know if it works, so don't copy me. I don't know if it's going to be good. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I've been tooling around a new TMBA theory. It's essentially this. It's called the 5% rule. And the 5% rule is that 5% of your projects end up having a tailwind or they end up having momentum. It's like maybe a little bit lower. Like if you're very talented or whatever, your hit rate might be higher. But I find talented people both like move through ideas with velocity. It's also to like set expectations for people getting into the game that can get discouraged easily if like their first three ideas don't work or whatever. But then you look at like the ballers out there and you're like, show me your GoDaddy account or your name chief account or whatever. <laughs> I want to see like all the dumb shit that like Dan never talked about on the podcast. Like I never talked about Rover Reader. I never talked about, like I could <laughs> go on forever about all this stuff that we tried. And so I think the 12 startups in 12 months, it is not gimmicky. It is not dumb. I think it's a really, really clever idea. And it sort of represents one of the end games for an agency, right? Which is that you cash flow your development of a product. I mean, that's the end goal. For a while, we didn't have like a mission on the team and we were just doing work and getting paid. And now it's like, hey, look, guys, like 
we have these silos of the company and the end goal is one day to be a product company, right? If we're a product company, then we work on our own stuff and that's the goal. It's fun because I think it opens up this like everyone has an idea and then everyone is like, you know, they send it over to the two guys in the R&D team. They're like, hey, what do you think about this? Look what we found over here on this project. What do you think about this? So they're always sending ideas with the idea like, hey, you know what? Eventually we'll get away from doing project-based work and working on something that we have internally. This is sort of a weird question, John, but how would you define what an agency is? I think the best way to classify it is like project-based work, right? Like that's what I call our agency. It's stuff that's like project-based. You sell a project and then you deliver on it and then you move on to the next project and then you move on to the next project. Yeah, that's an interesting question. How would you define it? It's very hard. I guess that's why I asked the question because we say the word agency all the time. I think to me, an agency is, it's like a consultant with a team behind it. The consultant goes out and says, my expertise suggests that this is how you probably are going to want to solve your problem. So there's like a typically a discovery process in the sales process. And then you deliver a quotation based on your team or your network of people that are standing behind you. And the agency typically is going to have those people, at least some of them in-house. Like you're going to be billing for the overhead that you keep every month. That's a good definition. I like that. Sometimes when I listen to the Tropical MBA, I get like, if you're running an agency and you guys, a lot of times you're talking about productized services or products. And then sometimes you get a little jealous, right? You're like, damn, I want to run that. I don't think running an agency is really that bad. What I like so much about running the agency is that it's almost like you have your ears to the street. Like you get to hear what's going on real time, right? And that to me is exciting because if you're listening, you can take that and and apply it to your own stuff, right? I've met so many good CEOs through the agency. I've met so many good other agencies through the agency. Like it works like its own kind of, you know, networking tool. And you're actually networking with cash flows as opposed to just hot air, which is kind of cool. Exactly. It's when you're changing money with people, like they respect you. You know, if you make the money, they like you. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's like that's real networking. One of our recent clients sold a company to L'Oreal and like I have direct access to him now. You get access to these people that if I would have cold emailed him or I would have met him at, you know, at a bar, he he probably wouldn't talk to me. Well, and two of the major critiques of agencies that often come up on this show are one is that it often depends on founder-led sales and relationships, which seems to be one of the, your, it's a benefit for you, especially early in your career that you get to have that kind of fun, essentially have those sorts of conversations. And then the other downside is the project-oriented nature of the cash flow. And it sounds like you've de-risked that by what you're calling support. Yeah. So I'd like you to clarify a little bit more about that support strategy, because now you, you have this reliable cash flow every month. How might our listeners implement that idea? Why do you call it support instead of agency? I call it support because the sale, the consulting, the trust, that's done. It was done on either the project base or it was done on a relationship based. So that part is done. It kind of cuts me out, right? It's like, you already heard from us from Dan, or you've already worked with us in a project six months ago. You just got to pay for it, right? So it cuts me out. It's no longer like a consultant with the team behind it. So it has a little bit of a flywheel going on. Exactly. And I think you 
made a really interesting distinction, which is for the support products, which are essentially productized services, right? Pretty much, yeah. Things like, hey, I need to touch up on my website. I'd like you to check the speed of the website. Maybe you can give us some more examples of what those products are, but you don't have to be directly involved in the quotation of a project or in a relationship building or sales process. Yeah. If I was listening, I'd be like, why doesn't that person just go to Upwork? Why doesn't that person just go hire another freelancer? And when you really think about it, these people have already worked, worked with you or they've been referred to you, right? So these people, they don't want to deal with the craziness of Upwork. They don't want to hire somebody and go through that hiring process. That in itself takes a lot of time, a lot of stress, and it doesn't even guarantee an outcome, right? With this, you know that we're going to deliver because Dan said so, or because you saw us work on a little project six months ago, and you're like, you know what? They're good. And on my sales process, I always tell them, look, we keep a breadcrumbs of everything. I show them, you know, this is geeky, but I show them the repository, and I'm like, hey, look, like we have a repository for every project we ever worked on, and it's the same devs. When you're ready to come back, it's there. I think that gives people trust. You mentioned the ownership of your business has changed. How so? So I got into a partnership early, early on in the business, maybe when I was eight months into the business. And I spent a lot of time thinking about why I made that partnership. And I think that I didn't believe in myself at that time. I think that because somebody approached me that I thought had some success and was like, hey, I'm willing to invest in your business. It validated that I was a a real entrepreneur. And I think I needed that at that time in my journey. And it was backed by cash, you know, not a lot of money. It really was not a lot of money in retrospect, but I took it and I gave a good chunk of my business away. And then as time progressed, you know, these silent partnerships, there's really no value other than the money at the beginning, right? The relationships are mine. The relationship with with my team is mine. The hard work is mine. And then you got to give a big chunk of it away every quarter. So I don't resent it because I know that when I was starting the journey, it almost gave me like a, a rocket ship where I was like, man, people believe in me. I don't know why I needed that back then. I wouldn't need that today. But before this year started, I kind of had some insider information. I knew that I was going to make this help desk. I knew the emails that were coming out. And I said, look, I, I can't keep sharing. It's stunting the growth of the business. And I want to make more money. You know, I'm, I'm, I was stuck in the same place for a while. So I, I kind of, my partner was great, but, you know, I think it hurt his feelings too. And I was at a point where I was like, hey, look, man, like this is the ultimatum. You take this money or there's really no other option because you haven't invested any time in this. You, you wouldn't be able to, you know, I've even tried to introduce him to like my agency partners or anything. He didn't want to. So, you know, it's literally like it, the business was me, unfortunately. Man, so many themes here. The first is the validation. And I think how much that matters, especially when you're starting an agency that depends on your expertise and your hustle and your relationships. So I can relate there. The other is the lack of sustainability of those sorts of investments in small bootstrap businesses. I've written an article about this in 2012 when people asked me why I didn't invest in people because I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to call this person up four years later and ask for 20% of their profits? Because you know what I mean? Like, if you don't have that, like, multiple scales, like, they're digging into like your retirement fund and stuff like that. It's not like they're taking shares of some Silicon Valley business that's going to sell. Not to say that you couldn't have a big exit, but I'm wondering if you just dig into those details a little bit more for us. Like, here's a specific sentence you said. You said, 
it was starting to hamper the growth of your business. How? Well, because you, you can always find better use of the money, right? You know, what is 15K a quarter? What is 20K a quarter, right? And that's when, the, when it's small, like that stuff hurts. You could think of how you can spend 50K or how you can invest it in the business or there's so many things you can do, especially at the beginning. And you start thinking like, man, this is probably better used on the business or on myself. I started resenting it because I'm like, I'm doing all this work and I'm not even getting paid that much. I can go work somewhere. You know, you start feeling like you start having resentment towards the business. And like I said, I had nothing against my ex-partner, but it was you start resenting them too. It's like, dude, you're not doing nothing. What am I giving you money for? Right. And you know me, I'm not a bad person. I actually, it was really hard for me to do that. It was really hard for me to have that conversation because I don't want to be disloyal or I don't want to, you know, but it really wasn't making sense, you know? And so how did you organize that conversation? Because couldn't he always just say, hey, I'm going to get a lawyer and sue you because I do own part of your company? It definitely went that way, right? Well, okay, well, you know, I do own part of your company. I'm going to get a lawyer. It's like, well, what are you fighting for? You know what I mean? The entity, the bank account. Cool. We can, you know, split that up and I start tomorrow and just start under a new name. And, and like you said, I think, you know, what that taught me also is like, I wouldn't want to invest in these bootstrap companies for the same reason, because if it depends solely on the founder and the income of the founder, like things change. Me living in Colombia was a completely different expense than me living in Miami or living in Austin, right? And the goal is that you progress in life, not stay the same, right? Like I, I could have stayed in Colombia and but for what? I, I want to try different things and see, you know, see different things of life. So, And this is why C-Corps exist, right? So you can issue shares and there's like, it's clarity around what that is. But I agree, you know, if you think a good idea is investing in small agencies, then good luck collecting on your asset. Because I think you made a really brave and correct decision, which is to realize that, you know, this doesn't make a ton of sense. I just think it's cool because you're, you're both a good person and you made a powerful power play. I think that sort of thing's required to move your career forward. So kudos to you. I love following your story, John, because you have a really clean progression that I can relate to, which is, you know, you, you have expertise, you build a skill set. Well, first off, you have motivation, which I can relate to, which is like working for real sucks. So then you learn sales. Then you parlay it into an agency where you're quoting projects and now you're hiring people to deliver the work. Now you're productizing part of your service. And finally, you're skunk working. You're, you're going to launch 12 apps in 12 months. You're really like showing me like what the progression for somebody that's passionate about business can get done in just a few short years. That's why I, I love listening to your guys's podcast and that's why I ended up in microconf it's it's literally the stair step approach right and i think the last time we spoke i started getting like i started feeling some balance and i was like okay i can do this but like talking to you today like i feel really confident like i know that this is going to work and it's not in a cocky way but it's in a way like yeah i'm going to take some punches i might get knocked out a couple of times but it's a lot harder to fail like i i know the path's hard but i can see it now you know why is it harder to fail now I don't know if you've ever played like a video game or you know, mostly it's in RPGs, but you kind of go and you beat one boss, you acquire some skills, you beat another boss, you acquire some skills. So I feel like I'm like every step that I've taken, I'm acquiring these skills and you can't take that away from me. You can drop me at the very beginning and I have these skills to, to put it right back, right? If it sounds weird or morose, maybe like a way to spin this, like, because I am obsessed with 
worst case scenario thinking. I love to always say like, what's my basement case here? What's the worst case? And the reason for that is like, it can kind of tell you where you're at. In other words, like as an entrepreneur, your worst case starts to get pretty good if you stick around long enough. My worst case scenario is really not that bad no more, you know? And, and I think, I mean, it's hard work to get there, but I mean, it's only been three years. People spend three years at a job and their worst case scenario is still the same thing from three years ago, you know? Let me take a moment to talk about our recruiting services at Dynamite Jobs. If you're thinking about hiring, our team can help you be more strategic. If you're in the middle of a time-consuming candidate campaign, we can take it off your plate. And if your HR team is having difficulty delivering the right team members, we can be their support. See, strategy, positioning, promotion, filtering, interviewing, and assessing, they're all a tremendous amount of very important work, even for organizations with seasoned HR teams. But our expert team does it every day, all day. And it's not just our expertise you'll be accessing. We run one of the largest remote job boards and databases of qualified candidates on the web. Why not work directly with a team who hires hundreds of A players annually for businesses just like yours? So if you run a remote first company, we can help you grow faster and smarter. And the best part is we charge just one simple flat fee for every hire. And with Dynamite Jobs Recruiting, your results are guaranteed. To learn more about how we can help you grow, head on over to dynamitejobs.com and click on the Hire With Us link. One final piece to the agency side is you're four and a half years in. For those on day negative zero or zero, how would you help them to inform their journey that maybe like, has the landscape changed in four and a half years? Has the process changed? Just advice you have for people that are wanting to follow your journey. I think mindset first, you might listen to somebody that's on year four and a half and you're like, well, I need to start making the, the support or the help desk and I need to start doing that. If I tried to do that four years ago, it wouldn't have worked. Why? I was looking for business. I didn't have people reaching out to me all the time, right? Like you're like in hunter mode. I can put myself in those shoes where I'm like, oh man, like I'm falling behind. I'm over here doing this, you know, annoying outreach. And these people over here, they already have like this help desk and they're productizing. Like you could start sooner, but I wouldn't like beat yourself up for not doing it. Second, I think the one thing that's helped me so much is leveraging marketplaces, especially for, for like consulting or agency work, right? Like you're like, oh, Google ads or get on Craigslist. You hear all these cold calling, cold email, but Upwork is an amazing place with people looking to hire at that moment. I also have my agency on Clutch, which is like a place to find agencies. Every time a client asks me for something that I know takes 10 minutes, I'll say, hey, I'll do it for you. Just write me a review. I wish I would have did this earlier, but I didn't know. Shopify has a marketplace for experts too. And I know there's some DCers that have built big companies that have even sold just because they were on that Shopify marketplace. If I were to start tomorrow, I would skip all the stuff I did for the first year, which was like cold outreach, cold email, you know, friends and family, who's doing this, and just get on all the marketplaces and optimize my profile on each of the marketplaces. Because guaranteed, you can make 100 grand. If you could get on three marketplaces and market yourself well, you'll make 100 grand in a year, easy. That's so cool. I mean, it's almost like this idea of, well, founder fit is a concept we talk about. Like, yeah, just because John's doing it doesn't mean like you should do it, right? Like based on where you're at. In entrepreneurship, we depend on non-linearity 
of returns. So if it follows that, like, because of all the products you're building over the next five years, say, say you're going to build a hundred products, two or three of them, you get on second base, you know, you're set for life. That's not an outcome you get in a career in five years, but either is this case of like starting a profile on a marketplace, like Upwork, like if it follows that you have like this upside slope, then you might think about what the downside slope is, which is starting really, really from scratch and what scratch looks like. And that scratch isn't such a bad place to be if you're on the nonlinear path. You know what I think is really underrated in, in the online world and in the podcast world? And I want to share this when, when I get to Mexico City is like relationships and doing good work are so underrated. It's not just like a relationship, like I met somebody online or I had a beer with them. Like when you make somebody money, you will be their friend, right? Like if I can make you money, you will feel like you owe me and you will send work back to me or you will send, you know, referrals to me or when there's an opportunity that that's relevant to me, you'll send it my way. And honestly, I think that's had a lot to do with the trajectory we're going. It's like compounding interest, like the relationships and me being just genuinely like nice and not expecting anything in return has compounded. And that's why another reason why I think that like, my worst case scenario is really not so bad anymore. The word that jumped into my mind when you were saying that is integrity. And then I thought about, oh, there's this thing you kept saying, like, they'll like you. And then I was like, like, no, and trust, like, no, and trust. And okay, say so they'll like you first. So they'll spend more time around you to know you. And it makes so much sense that then trust follows because it's interesting. I know a lot of people who are really well liked and really well known that aren't very well trusted. And sometimes those people question why they aren't further along than they are. And I think that that's a really interesting component for people to look into like what it might take to earn more trust. And often it means listening a little bit more to people. I did want to ask you about like DC Max. You're going to be speaking and are you nervous about that? I guess I'll just share a little bit of inside baseball here. Me and my colleague, Jeff Picaro, who's often on this show and myself, and the whole DC event team, Janine, Vince, Adam, Ian, we'll all brainstorm like who we think would be a good speaker. We'll look at all the pitches. Sometimes the pitches aren't so great because people are really self-interested. Like, I want to give a talk about how to sell my service. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we're always trying to find people that are like in the middle of a journey that are finding interesting information. And so, you know, when we reach out to you to do that, it's sort of it's a big ask of us. And how do you respond to that sort of thing? To me, it feels like an opportunity, right? You guys, I think you guys feel like, oh, he's doing us a favor. I feel like you guys are doing me a favor. You guys are letting me, I'm going to practice my, my public speaking skills. I'm going to practice on how to tell my story better. And then I'm also going to be able to share with a bunch of people just what I do every day, right? I really don't want to sell anyone anything. My goal is hopefully they trust me, right? Like, and, and then when they, they go back home, they can think of me like, oh man, like that guy, John, he, you know, I know he does specific Shopify work. Let me just email him. Or maybe they want a partnership or, you know, like all these opportunities open up and I'm not expecting them, but it's like, it's, it's all win, win, win. Why would I say no? Right. Because I'm too cocky or I have a, an ego or like, no, Dan better pay me. Like, who am I? Well, I'm nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why people do that stuff. It's like, the marketing way of positioning it is, is branding, right? Like, I think this, it, it's good brand for me to be like, hey, like, 
yeah, I'm happy to share what I learned. I'll tell you where I messed up and hopefully you guys get something from it, right? Thanks for sharing and we hope to have you back on the pod soon. Thanks for having me, dude. See ya. Big shout out to John Solazarno. Check him out at solomediagroup.co. I'm looking forward to hanging out with John along with 200 other listeners of this show in Mexico City in just a few days' time, and I'll do my best to drag back stories for you guys for this show. Uh, as always, let me know your thoughts and ideas, Dan, at tropicalmba.com. That's it. We'll be back next Thursday morning, as usual, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.